Listen, we are on our last week of the Fruit of the Spirit in season. I just got to say, I've been preaching for a long time. I've never actually gone through all the fruit individually. Anybody been enjoying going through this series? <laughs> Learning a lot? I can't tell you how many times I've had to remind myself of some of the fruits of the Spirit as, uh, as we're going through just circumstances in life. So it's been good for me. I've enjoyed it. So I do want to go back, though. A couple of months ago, if you were here, I told you guys, I don't even remember what the topic was, but it came up again as I'm thinking of this message, uh, Rage Rooms. How many of you guys have heard of those? You guys remember what I was talking about? Uh, It's rooms where you go in and you can break stuff and your anger. And uh, I found this article on the Internet. It says, uh, Rage Rooms to Screen Clubs. A club that you can go just scream in. And it says, can they help your mental health? I know. It's kind of funny, isn't it? It's like a place where I can go in. It says, if you've ever felt like smashing stuff, this therapy may be for you. Basically, it's this idea that I can't control my anger, so I got to go to a place to to vent it out right? Just to kind of let it out. And, and, you know, as I've been thinking about that, I kind of understand that because without Christ, we're left with our own ideas to try to control our anger, right? How do I control it? Oh, I don't know. Well, let's try this. Well, let's try that. Uh, But the reality, self-control, which is the last fruit of the Spirit that we're talking about, is a fruit of the Spirit, He is on the inside. It's not really going to take outward therapy. You might be able to get a little success, but the reality, the Holy Spirit on the inside of us helps us to have self-control. So the world's trying something. They want to do something. And I just wanted, because I thought it was kind of funny as I was doing some research on this about rage rooms, and uh, this is off of several different uh, websites of these rage rooms. Uh, And I just want to show the silliness. One of them said this, Have you ever wanted to smash something at work? Now there is a more grown-up way to throw a a tantrum. He says, we offer a safe place for people to shatter away their anger. You can hurl a plate across the room. You can take a sledgehammer to an old computer. Anybody ever want to do that one? All right. Or kiss a framed photo of your ex goodbye with a golf club. Boy, that sounds healthy, doesn't it? One of the other rage room, that's a tongue twist, rage room website says this, for any group event, now let me just pause right there, like, oh, we're going to go rage together. I think we've seen that in riots around, right? Uh, It says, such as team building. Man, I can't think of a better team building effort than let's all go rage, right? Earth Day, bachelorette or bachelor parties, or a divorce. I'm thinking divorces are a group event. I don't know how that happened, right? Here's another Rage Room website. They offer these different packages. There's a $30 Rage Starter Packet. You get to select 10 glass items for yourself to break. There's a $65 Date Night Special, right? Hey, hon, let's go out on a date, right? This includes 10 glass items plus empty wine or champagne bottles for each person and a medium item to share. I don't even know what that is, right? Uh, $35 hammer time package. Okay, I'm not going to hammer time, sorry. That includes one, (laughs) somebody was expecting that, one sledgehammer and a large laser printer, right? I've wanted to take a sledgehammer to those sometimes as well, right? So, and they also offer playlists. 
You can, or you can have your own playlist. And I think people are paying good money to have a temper tantrum. Think about that. I mean, kids do it for free all the time. You don't even have to pay them, right? There's a reason two- and three-year-olds uh, are challenging at times, am I right? <laughs> My own uh, grandkids. They are notorious for having a temper tantrum. But the difference is we kind of expect that from them because they're, they're too young. They don't really know how to control that. Uh, but as we become adults, how many of you know we expect you to control it? Right? There's that expectation. I just want to say I've seen some serious adult temper tantrums. Anyone? Right? I heard somebody. Yeah, Karen's, right? But you know what? It doesn't have to be just a Karen. I don't, what, what's a male equivalent name? Kevin, right? If anyone's named Karen or Kevin, I'm sorry. So uh, I just made that one up. So uh, here's the thing. We've seen grown men and women act like complete idiots when they don't get their way in traffic, right? If you Google, and I did this, I Googled road rage. And uh, you can see it better on the screen there, uh, but you just Google road rage, and it has about 147 million results. How many of you know that might be a problem uh, in our country? People get angry when they get cut off in traffic, right? That guy's got a great haircut. That's all I got to say. <laughs> Sorry. Somebody, I think that looks like, uh, what was that, Jim Carrey in Dumb and Dumber or something like that, right? <laughs> Uh, anyway, sorry, I got distracted here. If people are driving too slow, guess what? We honk our horns, we scream. Uh, it's, it's immature. And how many of you know it's embarrassing, right? Some people do it with their kids in their car, right? They're screaming and yelling and sending obscene uh, gestures to people. And then they wonder why their kids have anger issues. Like, I don't know why they're having that. Listen, if that's us, if we're doing that, then we maybe we need to be put on a timeout and ride the bus, right? <laughs> it's like, you just need a timeout. We do that to the kids. How many of you know some adults need some timeout? Just get on the bus, right? Stop driving. The thing is, Christians have acted that way. And if you were here last week, I showed you a post on a pastor website of a pastor and his uh, congregant passed him, flipping him off, cutting him off. Didn't realize it was his pastor, and the pastor's like, well, it's going to be an interesting meeting this week as I tell him I saw them on the road. It happens, right? Because somehow, somehow we can separate our behavior behind the wheel and uh, our faith. Like, like the fruit of the Spirit doesn't apply as long as I'm in my car. I'm on my way to church, you know, and I'm going to cut everybody off. But as soon as I get out, well, praise the Lord. Isn't God good, right? Isn't God amazing? Listen, not only in traffic, but it's embarrassing to scroll through social media sometimes. When I've seen Christians that have attacked other Christians with profanity, these angry rants, uh, things that they would never say face-to-face, -face, right? And, and I think, I, I, sometimes I wonder, seriously, did you not realize that your name and your picture is right next to that? Did you forget that, right? And other people that are your friends are seeing the same thing. And I thought about showing some of those posts. Uh, <laughs> everyone, ooh. <laughs> but I'm not, right? I'm not, but you've seen them, right? Maybe you've written them. I don't, you know, I'm not, I'm not pulling anyone's up there. But I realized that with a few poorly chosen posts, some angry rants, people destroy their witness. Isn't that true? And again, it's like, well, the fruit of the Spirit doesn't apply when I'm online. Come on, right? But guess what? The Bible doesn't make that distinction, does it? Paul said this, 
I'm going to read this one more time after we've been going through it. The Holy Spirit produces, look at that, I love that. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and today we're talking about self-control. But he says, against these, there are no law. So the reality is all of these qualities are supposed to be evident in my life. So you may be wondering, what is the table up here for? Well, I'm going to do a little quiz. You've, you're going to have to have been here for all of them to get it, but you, hopefully you'll get it. We want to remember what all the fruit is. So I've been drawing a fruit of the Spirit, connecting it to an actual fruit. So uh, who remembers what love, what fruit was I talking See, the strawberry. The reason I connected it to a strawberry is because strawberry is kind of the love fruit, right? Like you send it to Valentine's, like a chocolate-covered strawberry, that says love, doesn't it? It's, it's got love written all of it. So love, does anybody remember what joy was? Yeah, I heard the, the coconut, remember? I remember uh, that's because why does joy? Joy is not an outward thing. It's something that's deep on the inside. And circumstances of life will come and hit at your coconut shell, and, uh, but it doesn't get to get to your uh, joy. That's why I gave out almond joys that week, if you guys remember, because almond or coconut is made of almond joys. Okay. I'm like, wait a minute, what am I doing here? So it represents joy, so we're going to sprinkle that. And how many of you know coconut is not very good to eat by itself? It kind of, you add it to everything else. So love, joy. The next one is peace. Somebody, who knows what it was? What was that? Yes, the cherry. And I've got cherries right here. These are some good cherries, too. I ate some from the first service, so I'm going to eat one of these, too. The reason the cherry... Listen, if you have peace in your heart, how many of you know there are health benefits to being at peace? That's why people chant, um, you know, let me burn something. When you have Holy Spirit peace on the inside, that is healthy. Cherries have health benefits to them, so I'm throwing that in there as well. So love, joy, peace, patience. Who remembers what patience is? The watermelon, because it takes a long time for the watermelon to grow. If you pick it too early, it's not very good. If you pick it too late, it's mush. So the watermelon, we all need patience. Can I tell you how many times since I started preaching on this that I'm like, oh God, help me with my, help me with my watermelon patience. Yesterday we were at Starbucks and I don't know with Randy and it took forever. And I'm just like, I keep thinking watermelon patience, Lord, help me, help me have that patience in and he did. So love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Well, what's kindness? What's the fruit for kindness first? Huh? It's a hospitality fruit. Pineapple. Pineapple. See, I, I, you guys didn't know there was going to be a quiz in church. I wouldn't have come if there was a quiz. Pineapple, because uh, well, I'm not going to go into the whole story, but there we go. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. It's a fruit that's really good for you. It's got a lot of vitamins. Orange, right? That's why we talked about goodness. Uh, faithfulness, we talked about just a few weeks ago. That's right, it is the lemon. Why is the lemon faithfulness? Because it is consistently sour, right? You can bite into a cherry, it may be bitter, it may be good. Watermelon, it may be bitter, good. All of the fruits, but no matter what you get a lemon, you know it's going to be sour. It's consistent, it's faithful, so... Yes, I'm putting it in there. All right. Uh, the last or next to the last one we talked about last week, and that was uh, gentleness is the 
Right, because you've got to be gentle with the banana or it gets all over the place. So I already opened this one, so I'm going to throw in a few slices here. Banana, 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 big chunks of banana there. And then today, I'm going to go ahead and give you the, the fruit itself control is the peach, and I'll explain that in a minute, what that is. I'm gl- thankful for my wife that's cut all this fruit up for me. And uh, here's the thing, when you have all of those fruits operating, guess what? You are a fruit salad. <laughs> right? We, <laughs> and uh, listen... Most of the people think California is a land full of fruits and nuts anyway, so you know what? Let's just be the fruit of the Spirit, right? Let's not be fruity in a weird way. Let's allow the fruit of the Spirit to be in our lives, working in our lives. Like when you're at home, how many of you know you need all the fruit, right? When you're at work, you need all of the fruit. When you're at school, if kids, if you're at school, you need all of the fruit, am I right? When you're in traffic... You need all of the fruit. When you're on social media, I sure hope you have all of it because the fruit is the evidence. It's the proof of who you are. Just as a tree, if you see this hanging from a tree, well, you know what kind of a tree is it? It's a lemon tree, right? We know that. The fruit proves the tree just as our character, our words, our actions prove who we are. What is coming out? If you say you're a Christian but you act like a jerk, how many of you know that fruit is contrary to your life? We have a word for that. It starts with an H. Hypocrite, right? Now, let's just be honest. Everywhere there's hypocrite. But let me just say, I want to be less and less. I want my words to match my actions. I want my faith to come out, not my attitude, not my bad attitude, right? See, someone who is committed and growing in their relationship with Jesus, they talk to each other differently. We respond to difficulty. We all have difficulty in life. Am I right? But we respond differently when you have the fruit. The words that come out of our mouth, listen, if curse words are consistently coming out of our mouth, then uh, Houston, we have a problem. We have a, I know every now and then we, many people let something slip, but it's like, oh, you know, if it's just like a constant thing, we've got to check our heart, right? And, and not justify uh, why we don't have that. Oh, you know what? That's not that big of a deal. You're just over the top. Oh, no. I want to follow Christ, Right? The words we say, our actions prove that God is working in our life. Jesus said this out of Matthew. He says, a tree is identified how? By its fruit. If the tree is, and he's talking to the the Pharisees here. If the tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. You brood of snakes, again, that's to the Pharisees. How could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say, right? Out of the abundance. Some of you guys, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. And he says, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. An evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. So according to Jesus, what is in your heart eventually comes out of your mouth. Am I right? You can't can't disconnect the two. If words of hope and encouragement and love come out of your mouth, guess what? You got a good loving heart. Right? But if, uh, if words of anger and criticism and complaining and rage are coming out, then guess what that shows about your heart? Scripturally, you are what comes by what you say and by how we act. We can't excuse it. I mean, we can try, but you can't say, well, you don't know my background, Pastor. You don't know my upbringing. You don't know my personality. Or you don't know my temperament. This is just, my te- this is just who I am. No, the fruit is the evidence 
by the tree. So today, like I said, we're finishing the last fruit, and I believe that this fruit of self-control is increasingly rare in our society today. How many of you realize that? Just watch how many people lose control. Like, our, have anybody think our world's gone crazy? Yeah. All right. If they just had a little bit more self-control, wouldn't things be better? So, yes, I'm representing it. I already told you by a peach. I got peachy self-control. Why is it the peach? And I kind of struggled with what fruit to put here. Uh, but have you ever said to, about somebody or you heard someone say, that person's a real peach, yeah. right? Like, what is that? I know I'm stretching it, but give me a little bit of grace here. But if you say, if somebody says that about somebody, that means that person's top notch. You know, that person has mastered some important areas in their life, and and that's what self-control is. If somebody has mastered an area, they've got control in that area. They've managed to do something in that area. Proverbs uh, 25, 28 says this, a person without self-control It's like a city with broken down walls. And yes, we don't have walls around our cities these days. But back then, if you didn't have a wall around your city, that means you were defenseless. Right? The enemy could come in and out as they wish. And the reality in our life, whatever area of our life that we do not have self-control in, we are defenseless. The enemy can come in any time. And he usually does, right? There's different areas of our life that need uh, uh, self-control. Our habits... Amen? Uh, I don't even want to say this next one, but I'm going to. Our eating habits, right? Our spending. How many of you know some people are, have no self-control? Spend, oh, I got, I got money, money burning a hole in my pocket. I got to pay. How about dating and relationships? All right? Addictions. Those need self-control. The things that we watch and listen to on TV or our radio or whatever. Uh, how many hours you work? There's some people, if you're a workaholic, uh, you need some self-control. Right, And I'm not going to address all of those, but I do want to talk about the one I think that is most evident, and that is our temper. And you're like, oh man, I'm glad I came today. Do you realize that anger, really, God gave us the ability to get angry. It is a, it's the first emotion you experience as a, as a baby, and, and I think it's because we kind of set them out on a bad path when they're born and you whack their butt and they make them start crying, right? Like, I'm mad. You know what? Come on. I just came into this new world and you already hit me. So they're born mad, right? If you don't feed them, they get mad, right? If you don't change them, they get mad. If you don't hold them, they get mad. And sometimes if you do hold them, they get mad. And other times, if the wrong person is holding them, they get mad. They just get mad. But again, we expect babies to do that because they can't communicate. They don't even know how to identify why they're mad. Like, why am I mad? I have no idea why I'm mad. So I'm just going to scream, right? So we understand babies are going to get mad. And again, like I said a minute ago, we expect that, but we also expect them to grow and to mature and to not act like that eventually, right? But even as adults, how many of you know we still occasionally get mad? I'm including myself in that. We, we still get mad at times. And, and, uh, but the thing is, unfortunately, some people don't handle it any better than a baby. All right? I'm just going to say, I've seen some crazy temper tantrums from adults in public. And, and what we need to realize about anger, that it is an emotion, but it's, not all, it's usually not the root problem. Your anger is not the root problem. Your anger, it's an emotional reaction to three other deeper primary emotions that we all have, that we all deal with. And so if you want to understand your anger, how many of you think it would be important to know why I'm angry? 
Like if you ever pause to figure out why am I angry? And, and when you begin to understand that, then it helps us to deal with our anger in a lot healthier way. So I want to give you just three, three sources of anger. Uh, number one is when I'm hurt. Right When you're hurt, when you're physically hurt, like when uh, uh, you stub your toe on the corner of the bed in the middle of the night, anybody ever get angry? It's like, I want to throw my bed out the window. But then I don't because I want to get back into it in a minute. But uh, it could be emotionally hurt. Like a, a, a hammer, you know what? You nail and you, you hit your thumb with a hammer and a few choice words come out like, ow, that hurt. Well, you thought I was going to say something else? <laughs> no, good. I'm glad to hear that. So like I said, when you get hurt, we get angry, when we feel rejection, when we experience criticism, and the natural tendency is to strike back at the person or the inanimate object that caused that pain. Like I said, it's like, how many people have broken stuff that, that you know, I'm a, my TV didn't or my phone didn't do what it was supposed to do, and they throw it down and that phone could care less because it's not alive. But yet we want to strike back at those things right there. And, and listen, sometimes the anger is just the source of a memory of something that happened decades ago. And it's like something triggered that person to think about that and, and they get upset and maybe that, up, that anger is directed at you, right? I try not to get, take it personally when people get upset about something trivia because the reality, most of the time, they're not really angry at you. It's not about you. It's about something that happened and you just happened to be the one that triggered it. It's like, oops, <laughs> right? So the principle, and I think everybody knows this, hurting people do what? Hurt people, right? We understand that. It shouldn't happen, but it does. So that's number one. That's one of the sources of our anger. When you can identify that, okay, I'm hurt. Let me deal with it appropriately. The second one is when I feel frustrated. Anybody ever got angry when you're frustrated? You're trying to fix your car and you don't have the right tool? Isn't that frustrating? Especially when they, oh, that's a dealer tool, right? You don't, I mean, some of you guys know what I'm talking about. You can't go into Ace Hardware or Home Depot and get that tool. You have to get it from the dealer. And you're like, ah. Or they put parts in such difficult places, like, there's no, and then you get frustrated. So when you can't fix things, you can get frustrated. Uh, sometimes situations in your family, relationships, and uh, anybody ever come to the point where you realize I can't fix people? Oh, my goodness. But we still try. And, and that frustration is there. Out comes anger. The next thing, like when we're frightened or threatened or our self-esteem is low, we get angry when we feel insecure. Here's the reality about feeling insecure. When you're insecure, you misinterpret other people's motives. I mean, think about that. Like you're feeling low, if you're feeling low self-esteem, if you come into church and somebody doesn't say hi to or you and it looks it looked like they looked your way and they looked over, then uh, you're already feeling insecure. Then you leave and you're like, they avoided me on purpose. They didn't like me. They purposely tried to get out of the way and you go home and you stew about it. You think that person's a jerk. They don't care. They're not friendly. They don't have the fruit of the Spirit. Right? They need some of that love because they're not very loving and they're not very kind. So we get upset. We allow those things to begin to stew. So identifying when I'm hurt, when I'm frustrated, when I'm insecure, what are these things that are causing that anger? And let me tell you, there's other reasons people get angry. These are just three of the common ones. But before we go too far into this message, I do want to say that not all anger is wrong. 
I think most of us understand that. Ephesians says this, In your anger, do not sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. So apparently, we can get angry and not sin. We can actually control it. I like this same verse out of the New Living Translation. It says this, And don't sin by letting anger control you. You see, do I control my anger, or does my anger control me? That's an issue. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives the devil a foothold. Uh, here's, here's how this verse kind of plays out. When I don't control my anger, then you're angry. Then it says, don't let the sun go down. You may go to bed, and you're still angry because you haven't dealt with it. You're still upset. And the reality is every night you don't deal with that anger and you continue to let it stew on the inside of you, eventually what you're doing is giving a foothold to the devil in your life. Right? That's just kind of how that plays out. I keep mulling it over. Oh, that person didn't shake hands with me. Oh, that person didn't do that. Or all that happened. And you just let that run amok in your life. You don't deal with it. Now the enemy has sown discord and frustration and all kinds of ugly stuff in your life. Amen? So I guess that's not an amen. Ouch. So when is anger appropriate? Number one in your notes, if it's righteous. If it's a righteous anger. You're like, whoa, what is a righteous anger? And I believe a righteous anger is when you're angry about the things that God's angry about. Like sin. How many of you know God doesn't, he's angry about sin. He's not angry at the sinner. He loves us. The Bible says that God so loved the world, but he's angry about sin that destroys our lives. And if you have people and friends in your life that that you see sin is destroying their life, it's not like, oh, that person makes me angry. No, I'm mad that that sin is destroying it. Destroy relationships, marriage, uh, people have lost jobs. Compromise should make you angry. Look what, it, uh, it made Jesus angry. Look what it says in Matthew 21. He entered, Jesus entered the temple area, drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. And he says, it is written, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of robbers. Right? He was upset. So anger is appropriate if we're mad about the things that, that, and don't start going turning around tables. I'm just telling you. Make sure that you're doing it with the right attitude. Uh, or I'm just moving on before I get myself in a hole. <laughs> Number two, anger is appropriate when it is directed at the devil. You guys, the Bible says that the enemy has come to kill, steal, and destroy. Does it make you angry when you see him doing that in somebody's life? Yes. Right? It makes it me angry when I see it. And, uh, and, and listen, I can't get upset at the people that may be involved because they're not the one doing it. They're the ones that got their eyes blinded. That's what he does. It is appropriate to be mad at the devil when he's trying to mess with your family. Right? When, when, when he's trying to mess with your church, how many of you know it's okay to get upset? Our nation, does anybody get upset when we see what's going on in our nation? Our world? Look what the scripture says out of 1 Peter. Be well balanced and always, this is out of the Passion Version, Be well-balanced and always alert because your enemy, the devil, roams around incessantly like a roaring lion looking for its prey to devour. And I like verse 9. Take a decisive stand against him. Resist his every attack with strong, vigorous faith. We don't need no mansy-pamsy faith, right? We need to be like serious because the enemy is serious about what he's doing. 
And it makes me angry when I see the things the enemy is doing. Here's the reality. Anger at sin, anger at the devil, it should move us to prayer. It should cause us, oh God, we need your help. Look at what's going on. We need your intervention. Here's the principle on this one. Anger properly expressed, it should drive you to your knees. It should drive you to your, not to an angry post on Facebook, right? It should drive you to your knees. So uh, when else is it appropriate? It's appropriate when it prevents harm. Your anger, think about your anger. When your child goes out into the middle of a busy street to play, are you going to be like, oh, little Johnny, come on out of the street. It's dangerous out there. No, it's like, hey, get out of the street, right? And, and you may be a little bit angry because you've told them a hundred times not to. Here's the thing. That anger may save them from getting ran over. And sometimes, I'm just going to tell you the honest truth. When I hear about gossip going in the church, that makes me angry. And number one, I don't want to see somebody go to hell because they become a gossip. And secondly, it hurts other people. How many of you ever been on the receiving end of gossip? right? It doesn't feel good. That's not a good thing. And so our anger, it really goes to our motive. Appropriate anger doesn't seek to hurt or harm anybody, but to protect. I want to protect. So the question is, because this is so true, if you're supposed to sin or not sin when you're angry, how do you know when you've crossed the line? Because isn't it really easy to cross that line? I'm angry, but then next thing you know, you're throwing stuff, right? Where's my rage room? Where's that at? So here's the thing. Anger is wrong when your testimony suffers. I just want to tell you guys a story. I don't know if I've shared this here before or not, uh, but when Pastor Colleen and I were in Bible college, we worked at a Mexican restaurant. We were servers. There were like three or four other people from the Bible college that worked there, and then there were a lot of non-Christians that worked there, and we kind of saw this. This is like our group mission field. We wanted to win people to the Lord that worked at that restaurant, Our only challenge was there was a a large church just down the street from us, and on Sundays they would come in, uh, uh, not very kind, horrible tippers, right? Very demanding, abrupt attitudes, and it was like like all the work we tried to do that week all of a sudden got ruined on a Sunday. Nobody wanted to work Sunday, but that's aside from the point. There was another couple that would come in on a regular basis. He was very demanding. He was rude and always angry. I mean, he was all, and he never left more than a dollar tip. No matter how big his bill was, whatever it was, if you were lucky, you were going to get a dollar tip. And here's the thing. He demanded his food to come out, and he wanted the beans on the plate to be bubbling, like literally popping there so the the cooks would have to put it on the fire and then call us we'd have to grab it with a hot pad run it out to his in in order to get there because if it wasn't bubbling he would send it back with anger with frustration i told you how i like it so you may guess we were a bunch of college students all of a sudden we had a new name for this man his name became bubbling hot right (laughs) And so we would see him come into the restaurant. He came in at least a couple of times a week. He'd come in, it's like, oh, bubbling hot. And we're telling the host and hostess, don't set him in my section. Don't set him in my section. But you know what? He had to sit in somebody's section, and bubbling hot would come in. Well, let me fast forward several months, maybe a year later, I don't remember. Uh, but uh, Pastor Colleen, myself, I don't even think we were married at that time. 
We were still dating. But a couple of other friends that worked at the restaurant and the college, we went to this church. They had some kind of special event. I can't even remember what it is. We'd never been to that church before. We're in there. We're sitting down. And then all of a sudden, they start to take up the offering. And we see this man up in the front stand up. And we all looked at each other in unison said, it's bubbling hot. <laughs> bubbling hot goes to church? I mean, that was our question. I wasn't even going to say he's a Christian because he sure didn't act like it. But I, I remember we did not go back to the restaurant and say, guess what? Bubbling hot goes to church. We did not tell him that because we're like, we don't even want them to know that because he was such a, his testimony was blown because of his anger. His testimony suffered from that. And I think what would have happened if we would have brought one of the friends that we're trying to share Christ with, with us to that event? That wouldn't have been good. So here's the thing. When people see you acting like that in public, why would they want to be a Christian? Right? Why would they want that? If your kids see you acting like that, what? what's the point there, right? So anger is wrong when your testimony suffers. Secondly, when it hurts other people. Jesus said this out of Matthew 5. You're familiar with the command to the ancients, do not murder. Well, I'm telling you that anyone, and this is out of the message, anyone who is as much angry with a brother or sister is guilty of murder. Carelessly call a brother an idiot, and you might find yourself hauled into court. Thoughtlessly yell stupid at a sister, you're on the brink of hellfire. The simple moral fact is that words kill. How many of you remember growing up and you heard, sticks and stones may... But what? Words will... Anybody ever want to say, that's a lie? (laughs) That is a lie. Listen, bones heal up, bruises heal up, long before angry words that are spoken over you heal up. Long before. Some of you can still hear and remember words that were spoken 10, 20, 30 years ago. You remember all of it, right? If you got bruises and broken bones from that, those are long healed, not even a scar, right? Our angry words are never forgotten, and they continue to hurt for years. We need to remember that. Third thing, anger is wrong when we lose control. People do, again, people do foolish things when we're angry. We've all done it. Something's like, oh man, that was stupid. Why did I do that? But here's the thing. If you lose control and you do something sinful, if you murder somebody right? If you're gossiping about somebody, if it causes you to go into adultery, listen, that's wrong. Anger is sin when it causes you to sin, (laughs) literally. It leaves you there. You lose control. And when you're losing control, it's obvious to you and to everybody else, the Holy Spirit is not working in your life at that moment. He is not there. We need more of Jesus. Let me go back again to, uh, to James 1, 19 and 20. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be what? Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. And I like what verse 20, human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Most of the time, we're quick to get angry, right? We're quick to speak. Anybody else's mouth move three times faster than their brain when you're angry? Come on, let's be honest. Like, you know, I just had this whole slew of words and I didn't even think about it yet. Like, ah, how can I take that back? Do you realize once the word comes out, you can't take it back? And what happens sometimes, and it doesn't produce God's desired results. Sometimes we have that anger, we hang on to it, we nurse it. Have you ever heard nursing a grudge? That just sounds disturbing to me. 
But people do that, and what happens is the longer you hang on to it, it morphs into this thing called bitterness. Bitterness is destructive. Hebrews says this, and I've got these action words highlighted. Work at living in peace with everybody. Anybody ever notice it takes work to live at peace? There's some people, it doesn't take any work at all. I mean, they're good, we're good, we're all good, but there are others, i got to work at it. It's a job. It is a job to be at peace with everybody. Then he says, work at living a holy life. Listen, that takes work. I want these fruits evident in my life. That means I've got to willingly submit to the Holy Spirit to let those develop in my life. It is a work, right? Then he says, verse 15, look after each other so that none of you fail to receive the grace of God. I've got to be concerned about other people in my life. Believe it or not, we don't revolve. The world does not revolve around us. We've got to be concerned. And then he says at the end, watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you and corrupting many. So when you don't deal with your anger, not only does it trouble you, it corrupts those around you. Other people, right? Have you met bitter people? Have you seen it on their face? Like somebody is bitter, it's like they are walking around sucking on this thing. Like, come on, you got to let that go. It takes a toll on people physically, doesn't it? Emotionally, I, I don't know this, but I bet medically, I bet that there's some issues there. So here's the thing. Anger is wrong. Number four, when it prevents me from forgiving other people. And we know the Bible is clear, right? If we don't forgive, God's not going to forgive us. It's not an option. It's a command, right? Colossians says this. You, since God chose you to be holy people, he loves, you must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Make allowances for each other's faults. Wouldn't that be wonderful if we actually did that? Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you. You must forgive others. Some people say with their mouth, I forgive you. But how many of you know their actions don't say it? Like, I forgive you but I'm not going to ever look at you again. I'm not going to have any reaction with you again. Listen, there's a problem, right? If you say you forgive somebody, but you still have anger and bitterness in your heart, you're only fooling yourself. The results of anger are devastating. Guess what? We are leaving a legacy, whether intentionally or unintentionally. Parents that have anger problems, guess what their kids struggle with? All right. Your anger and outbursts are destroying relationships. Some people have destroyed marriages as a result. And I'm listen, I'm not pointing fingers at anybody. But there are family relationships you can't go back and fix. Right? You can't go back and do it because we couldn't control our anger. It's time to stop the destruction. Amen? It's like, okay, you can't change the past, but I can change my future. Right? I can begin. People that have lost influence in their home, businesses, guess what? We always like to try to find somebody to blame. Oh, it's their fault. Oh, they did that. It's their, you know, they're the ones that caused that. The truth is, my anger has caused the damage. Your anger has caused that damage. It's time for us to move forward. So here's the principle on this one. When you lose your temper, guess what? You lose. There is no upside to it. Every time. You may win an argument, but guess what? You still lose. The cost of anger is too high. Like I said, and many people have even lost intimacy with God because of that. Because I can't control that. And so, again, you may have regrets over it, and I'm not trying to step on anybody's toe, but I want to tell you that there is a path forward. 
There is a path forward. There is a way to go. So I want to give you today just four things, very simple things that will help us to begin to get control. But it's all got to be because of the Holy Spirit, right? Four simple words. Number one is stop. Stop and think before you speak. Remember I said our words come out three times faster than our brain is thinking. Before we act, before uh, whatever action comes, have you, like I said, those words come out quick. Stop and think. My father-in-law, that was one thing that my wife always said. He, you'd say something, he's like, did you think at all before you spoke? All right? It's like, uh, anybody ever not think before you spoke? My hand's up. We need to stop and think. I love what Proverbs fourteen seventeen says. A quick-tempered man does foolish things. It's true. I'm quick-tempered. I'm going to do stupid things. Just know that that comes hand in hand. Proverbs 29, 11, a fool gives vent, full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. So the first step in, in, in really, and I'm going to tell you in a minute, but all of these steps apply to any area of your life that you need self-control. I got to stop. I got to take a breath. And then number two, look, look around, look, uh, uh, here's a reality. When you're angry, guess what? All you can see is yourself. All you see is yourself. Because of that, we don't act in logical, rational ways. We have to learn to look at the situation as we stop, look back, and say, okay, God, is this really a big deal? Is this really something that I need to get upset about? Uh, That means that you may have to be mature enough to look over minor hurts. Because we all hurt each other from time to time, right? Say something, don't shake hands, don't look at them right. Uh, turn your head sideways and look at them wrong. We all hurt, but we've got to learn to, to, to not take everything so personal. Someone insults you, criticizes you, puts you down, posts something on social media. Listen, don't go looking for a fight. Be mature enough to say, I don't have to respond to that. Right? I, don't have to get, I don't have to give in to that. Becoming like people in that situation doesn't make the situation any better. So learn to delete emails Ignore comments sometimes, and if you're on, on social media that gets you riled up, just keep scrolling. I, can't, I used to respond to things on social media. Now I'm just like, eh, just keep scrolling. I'm not going to change them, and they're not going to change me. Just keep scrolling. We have to be realistic about life's frustrations because they're going to come whether you like it or not. Whether you're angry or not, life is going to be frustrating. So look at the uh, uh, person that cuts you off in traffic. Just begin to just let them drive on by instead of making yourself look like a fool. All right, Proverbs 19, 11. A man's, I love this. A man's wisdom gives him patience. That's the watermelon right there. It is his glory to overlook an offense. I know this may be a newsflash to some, but we can actually choose to overlook an offense. Isn't that crazy? What? You mean I don't have to get offended? You know, everybody's offended this day. Your offense offends me, right? We're all offended about something. It's like, wait a minute. You mean I can actually choose to not get offended? Isn't that amazing? What if our whole world knew that you don't have to get offended at everything that comes along, right? Wouldn't that? I think people feel like they've got to get offended. Oh, well, that's offensive. What? Oh, well, that's offensive. I need to choose offense. No, no, no. That's the enemy. Choose not to get offended. What, what about Proverbs twelve sixteen? A fool shows his annoyance at once, but a prudent man overlooks an insult. Wait a minute. If somebody insults me, aren't I supposed to throw one back at them? Aren't I supposed to one-up your insults? No, I know this is crazy, but you can choose to ignore an offense and not respond to an insult. 
What an amazing, freeing thing. Like somebody, even if they meant to insult you, I don't have to take it. And I've had that happen. I'm just going to tell you. People have meant to, and I'm like, you know what, whatever. I'm not even going to think about it. I believe that anger, like every other emotion, is caused by what we think. How I think and the way that you think affects how you feel. Isn't that true? If you think that you're hurt, if you think that you should be offended, if you think that you should be frustrated, then that's what you're going to be. All right? But I can say, you know what? I don't have to be offended. Yeah, that was offensive, but I'm not taking it. I'm not going to get angry about it. If I can just stop and look at that situation from God's perspective, then I can make that statement. I'm not going to let that hurt me. I'm not going to get frustrated. How many of you know you can put two people in the same situation, one of them will, get blow, will blow up and get angry, the other person will be like, that's their problem. I'm not, walk, I'm not hanging on to that. So look at things from God's point of view. I believe it'll change your thinking. If you look at people from God's point of view, how many of you know it'll change you? So stop, look. And the next one, you can guess it, listen. I feel like I'm in elementary school. Stop, look, and listen before you crosswalk, right? Uh, but it applies here too. Listen to the needs of the people that maybe you're getting angry with. Because the reality of an obnoxious, irritating person is often a person with deep emotional needs. Isn't that true? They're wanting attention. They're wanting someone to love. And when you hear their need, it's easier to respond in love and not get angry. You see, that person is probably, and they may not even realize it, and saying, help me, I'm hurting. I just don't know how to ask. I don't know how to ask it. It's easier to respond than just to react. Too many times we react. What? What'd you say to me? You know, how did you say that? No, I want to respond with Christ's love. Seeing people, hurting people, it really, you see them more as a ministry opportunity rather than a problem. Listen for their real needs instead of hearing angry words. Proverbs 17, uh, 14. Starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam. Hey, can you imagine what that looks like? Oh, yeah, let me, just, let me just break this dam. Then everything comes out. He says, so drop a matter before a dispute breaks out. When you're in a situation and you can see things are heating up, you have a choice. I can keep going at it. Right? And the next thing you know, anybody ever been in the breach dam argument situation? Like all of a sudden, something small became like this big episode. And you're like, whoa, maybe I should have dropped it way back here. Right? Maybe I should have not said that little smart aleck remark. And I'm just saying, I've said a few in my line. So, uh, uh, and then next thing I know, it's like <laughs> the dam is rushing over me. No, I can stop. I can, uh, I can listen. Uh, James 1, 19 again, I said it earlier. Understand this, my dear friends. You must, and this, here's what I have realized. If I can be quick to listen and slow to speak, this one's natural. I don't even have to try it. If I can just be quick, uh, quick or slow to get angry, let me get the order. Quick to listen and slow to speak, then, uh, then I'm not going to get so angry. And then the last one I think is so important is that we need to pray. Ask God to help you with your anger. I mean, that's very simplistic, right? And you got to admit that there's a problem first, right? If you don't admit that there's a problem, you're never going to ask for help. But God wants to see this fruit of the spirit of self-control in your life. He wants to see that. And so what? Ask him. God's going to do what we... If I'm asking God for that, God, I need, I need patience. God, I need kindness. I need gentleness. I need joy. I want joy in my life, right? 
You ask him. Whatever you're missing, begin to ask him for that. And like I said, what the awesome thing is, is that all four of these steps help in every area. If it's, uh, let me just go with the eating one, right? If it's eating, sometimes I see things that I want and I just want to eat it. If I see the donut, then I want to eat it. So I need to stop. And then I need to look, look, okay, where is that donut going to end up on my body? If I eat it, listen to the Lord and pray, oh God, I want that donut. And I just want to confess that I did not do that this morning when I walked by the little donut. So, uh, but I need to do that. Whatever area of your life this works, because the fruit of the spirit, who gives us that fruit of the spirit? The Holy Spirit, right? Where does the Holy Spirit live? Inside of us, right? To, in order to get all of these fruits working in your life, it's not about, oh, I got to go back and listen to patience. You know what? Oh, I got to go back and listen to kindness. I need to go back and listen to joy. Yes, you can do that, but it's not about the outward thing of, okay, what do I got to do to have that? It's about drawing yourself closer to Him. Because the Holy Spirit is on the inside of you, and He wants to produce this kind of fruit in your life. He wants us to be patient. He wants us to be kind. He wants us to have joy so that the circumstances of life do not beat you down. And so when you're lacking in any of that, say, okay, Holy Spirit, I need more of you. I need to draw. And, and okay, you can get technical. There's, you don't have a portion of the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit. Uh, but the reality is the Holy Spirit doesn't always have you. Does that make sense? Because as long as I'm buttoned against, oh, no, but I want to kind of... Uh, what I want, I want it now. I don't want to be patient. We've got to begin to draw near to him. He's the only way that those fruits are going to develop in our life. We can read about it. We can talk about it. I want to tell you, I want to be the fruit salad all the time. In a good way. I want his fruit demonstrated in my life. So, like I said, I started preaching this series and, man... The Lord has been stepping all over my feet. I, I hope he did yours as well. Oh, you're, you're not so good in that, but you're up there preaching about it. It's like, oh, Lord. And so God has just been calling me and drawing me, like, draw closer to him. Allow the Holy Spirit to begin to produce that more in your life. And I promise you we, he will. Can I have everybody stand? I just want to take a minute, and there's a song that we sang earlier, Draw Me Close. And I just want to encourage us before we dismiss, and just so you know, when we do dismiss, you are getting another treat. We've got pie, uh, peach ice cream with peach compote or whatever on it that my wife made. So it's going to be really yummy. But before you do that, let's spend some time, just a few minutes, and just say, God, and, and even as we're singing this song, make it a prayer. Say, God, I need this in my life. Maybe it's the self-control. Maybe it's one of the other fruits. Maybe it's all nine of them. Just say, God, I want your fruit in my life. I want it to be demonstrated. I want when other people, I don't want to be looked at at Mr. Bubbling Hot and be labeled that 30 years later, right? I want when people remember me, man, that person loved God. That person was nice. That person was kind. That person had joy. That person was tender. I want the love of God to shine through me. So let's draw, let's just take a few minutes and just worship him as uh, Pastor Timothy leads us in this last song.